The following podcast is a production of Mosaic in Whittier, California, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org. All right, well, listen, we're back. Let's, let, let, me, uh, now let me try to rein it all back in, and we're going to open in a word of prayer, and we'll get to our talk. Father, thank you for being a good God to us, and a God who, who is always moving towards us and the folks that are the furthest away and the most disconnected and the most broken is who you move towards. But help us be those people that are in rhythm with your movement, moving with your wind, breathing the breath of life on others as well. So teach us through this metaphor this morning. Amen and amen. So we got the wind thing going on, got a cloud thing happening behind me, got the, you know, you know what, I, I, give my wife a hand. She did that job. Yeah. And where's Joe? Where's Sam? Where's Joe? He's gone. All right. Well, Joe's a great guy. He does a lot of some of the, he works with Lilia, does some of the environments around here. You know, uh, this is my favorite talk. We do this once a year. And the reason why it's one of my favorite talks, my series, is that uh, it's, it's good for me to remind myself of what's happening here. If you're visiting today, this is your first time visiting a Mosaic campus, every campus is having these same talks. We do this generally once a year, you know, core values, soul environments, so, you know, and, and almost everybody says, core values again? We're doing the soul environments again? Oh, can you name them, the, the metaphors? Yeah, water, celery, uh, coffee, uh, fire, cotton t-shirts, you know, like, okay, no, no. And so part of it is that we forget, you know. So if you're visiting, you get a chance to hear what we believe is the ideal, what we try to, to live by as individuals and as a community. If, you're, if you call Mosaic your home, and you're like, oh, core values again. Yes, yes, again. Like celery and carrots, you may not want to hear it, but it's good for you. And so we're doing it again and again until you hear it correctly. The, um, the metaphor of wind, which is found in the scripture over and over again, we have a, a sub-theme of opening your world. And, and, and the value is mission is why the church exists. Now, let me say something about church and the disclaimer, and then, you know, hopefully we're all on the same page or pagina for our Spanish-speaking friends. I love the church. Like family, you always love them, but sometimes they're weird, right? Everyone's like, yeah. Some of you, like, you go home for Thanksgiving, you remember why you moved away? But the church sometimes has been on the wrong side of history, haven't we? Whether there was issue regarding women's rights or slavery or other issues, we've been on the wrong side of history sometimes. Actually believing this is what God intended. Fortunately, there were voices that were clear and heard God correctly and, believed, and understood that these things were wrong. And we were on the right side of history in many cases as well. But... If I had a friend that said, oh, Octavio, I enjoy your company, I like you, you're fantastic, you're marvelous, you know, all those true things about me. And they said, but I can't stand your wife. Can we still be friends? Well, well, no, dude. I mean, it's, this is not an either or. 
And so when I hear some people who call themselves followers of Jesus and they say, oh, the church blows and I hate it, blah, blah. Like, do you understand that you're speaking about what God calls his wife? That's how intimately connected he is with the group of, of followers mystically around the world throughout history. All of us from various traditions, our friends in the Roman Catholic traditions, Orthodox traditions, whether they're believers in the Middle East, the Far East, believers in France, both of them, whoever they are, wherever they... I thought that was a good France joke. None of you got... No? No? Okay. No? All right. I'm not going to do it again then. Um, We all stand connected to a a figure in the Middle East 2,000 plus years ago whose life and his teachings reverberate and resonate throughout history. And even if you don't call yourself a follower, you've been influenced and affected by his life. All of our sensibilities regarding caring for the planet, how women should be treated, the value of marriage, freedom, has had, had been an effect from his life. Every human ideal, every attribute that we consider important and valuable found its epitome in the life and the teachings of Jesus. So when I say the church, I'm not speaking about somehow it's those people out there and we're, we're the cool ones that finally get it. We understand it. We're better than everybody else. I mean, we don't meet in a church. We meet in a hall. I mean, how relevant is that? Which, of course, is silly, right? Because you know how our grandkids are going to be. My grandkids, you know how they're going to rebel against the church? They're not going to have any tattoos and they're going to sing on the hymnals. And I'm going to say, oh my gosh, don't you love God? Get thee into a nightclub for crying out loud, you know? Become a real believer. And it's funny how sometimes folks want to get very, like, you know, I guess cool, like they think that's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. When we meet in a bathroom, that's how relevant we are. We don't even flush, you know, because we're real, we're earthy, a little too earthy, brother. That's all I'm saying. And, and, and uh, you know, I, I'm the kind of guy that, as my wife has often said, I'm, I'm flexible regarding solutions to a problem. I love tradition. Tradition. Can you believe that guy's still doing that movie, that, that play? 35 years, he's doing the same role, Topo? See, some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. I, I, okay, you know, right? Yeah, we're that same age. What's, last year? Oh, this is the last year. But there are multiple solutions to the same situation. This solution works for this time, but when this time is over, there ought to be another solution. And part of the wind and the, and the, and the movement of God is understanding what is the solution today. To remain flexible and fluid enough to move with God and not to hang on so tightly to something because it's how we always did it. This is how it's supposed to be done. Liberty and freedom is actually frightening for most people. They want it, but don't want to live in it. But back to wind and breath. Um, Let me take you to a story in Genesis chapter 2. It's in the front of your Bibles, Genesis chapter 2, verse 4. This would be one of those great movie scenes. Extreme close-up on a lifeless male face. Slightly green, grayish color to the flesh. And sort of like that special effect in Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark where the you know, spirit was coming out of the box, you know, something moving. And, and, and well, I'll read the scene to you. Here's the story. 
This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, and no shrub of the field had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no man to work the ground. But streams did come up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. He says, at this point, the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. So here's the scene, right? You know, director's cut, you know, letterbox, of course, right? There's this lifeless form of the face of a man and, and you, you know, you see breath going in through the nostrils and, and he takes a breath and he's awake and color comes through his flesh. That's how that scene should be filmed, all right? So those of you who wish to do the production, I'm, I could be the director. <laughs> and this is one thing I know about all of you. Even if I don't know you, I know this about each of you. You absolutely, positively have an addiction to this one thing. And if you don't get it, you're weird. In fact, if you don't get it, you'll fight for it. You're uncomfortable if you don't get it. And if you don't get it within a few moments, you're going to go nighty-night. That's air. You need it so badly, you don't even think that you need it. It's so part of how we operate as human beings. And I understand this is a very simple concept. But I want you to grasp this to understand that as a primarily a spiritual being that you are, you also need in your soul breath and wind to survive. Period. Even if you don't want to call yourself a Christian, even if you don't want to be part of the church, even if you don't want to, you know, whoever, whatever negative connotation you understand about religion, this is true of each one of us. Um, if you uh, garden, if you plant, if you do whatever, you, and, and out and growing things, you know that there are certain environments that are necessary for health to thrive, to grow, right? Uh, some of you create homes that have a certain feel and a vibe to them. You create an environment. There are some, of the, there are some places, some restaurants you go to, the food's okay, but you like the atmosphere. It's an environment that's been created. But we forget sometimes is what is the environment that would cause our souls to become healthy and to thrive? What's that environment? And one of the elements, or one of the components to that environment is the breath or the wind of God or the spirit of God that Jesus will call it. This is why we use it as a metaphor. It's not that we're closet Buddhists masquerading as Christians, Right? And mosaic, they don't use a cross, they use wind. Um, yeah, well, it's, it's in the scripture, so we thought, I don't know, we'd use it. Now, Jesus will, will touch on this idea, and, and you'll, you'll hear in, in the Old Testament, if, you, you know, if you've read the scriptures about God whispering in the wind, the still small wind, it, it's a consistent theme. It's not, we're not just pulling it out because we think it looks cool. It, it's in the Bible, so you know, we, we use it. In fact, let's go to a familiar passage. John chapter 3, verse 7. John 3, verse 7. This was a, a conversation with a fellow who, who took the things of God seriously. In fact, sometimes I'm speaking to some of you, and you already go to the conclusion. Like, I can never be, bam, this person. I, I'm having trouble man, you know, managing my sexual side of my life, and uh, so I can never be. Boom. 
or I'm having trouble in this area of my life, and you go way out here. And when I was younger, I went to the conclusion of issues. How can I ever be this person? Because it seemed huge. And what are the steps? What's the, what's the map? How do I get there? And it wasn't enough from folks in my tradition, in my community, to say, well, you've got to come to church. Because I was going to church. And I wasn't really that good. Well, you have to stop doing this. And have you noticed that when people, when, when, when you want to be good, it's always what you don't get to do? Well, stop doing this. Stop doing that. Stop, you know, those things? Well, what are the things that were for? What would cause me to thrive? And, and, and sometimes we get so focused on the how and the process that we forget what's the why and the cause and the motivation. What's the fuel? Look, you know, I'm going to share something. I, I, the older I get, the more I'm focused on process goes out the window for me. How is doesn't really matter to me. Because the more I breathe in the breath of God, the process and the how happens automatically. I don't have to decide, is this healthy for me or not? I sense what I need to know, rather. How am I ever going to develop a taste for this? You know, here's what I'll tell you. What, don't, don't focus on that. Why don't you focus in on, on breathing in the breath of God? Practicing the lifestyle and the teachings of Jesus. I'm telling you, what's going to end up happening? You'll be the person you're meant to be. Then guessing what you should be doing or should not be doing. To thrive. You're almost making yourself in your own image, right? You become a bad copy of yourself. And by the way, these are folks that tend to be, uh, this is a broad statement, they tend to be a bit more conservative and traditional in their views. I'm not down on that. I'm just saying that there's, there's a need for flexibility in listening to what God says right today. Nicodemus was that kind of a man. He, he understood, what, what are the steps? What's the process? How do I connect to God? I know connecting to God is the right thing, but how do I do it? What are the steps? What's the process? How do I get there? What, are, what am I supposed to do? How, do I, how often do I pray? What do I stand? Do I, devotions in the morning, devotions at night. What, just tell me what to do. I'll do it. I mean, I love this guy. He wanted that. just didn't know how. So he goes to talk to Jesus, because he says, there's something about you that you have a connection I don't have. And so this is, the, this is the, the context of that conversation. Verse 7. Hey man, don't be surprised if at what I'm telling you, what I'm saying. You must be born again. And so Nicodemus goes literal. You, you, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. And so it is with everyone who was born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. Because all he saw was the obvious. How do I crawl back into my mom's womb and be born again? What are you talking about? And here's this man who, his nation, his culture, were held the oracles of God. And Jesus was saying, dude, you're the teacher of this nation. You don't get this? Um, years ago, I, I taught a junior high school class at a church I attended. And, and teaching junior high school is, is a lot like juggling cats. It, it can be done, but no one enjoys it. You know, Neither the cat nor the juggler. 
So, um, I remember I was trying to get this, how do you explain something that everybody thinks they know in some way, a new way, so that they make sense to them? And fortunately, we were on the second story of this building, and it was a windy day, and there was trees tall. I thought, oh, perfect. Because they were like, what's this wind thing? Okay, look outside that window. Of course, they all did, because they were already doing it. What do you see? Do you see the wind? They go, yeah. I don't know. Think about it. Do you see the wind? Yes, we all see the wind. I said, ah, perfect, this is a great... Now I'm going to show them how dumb they are. Uh, No, you don't see the wind. You see the effects of the wind. You don't see air. And this is kind of how we're like as people. We assume we can manage the Spirit instead of the Spirit changing us or managing our souls. We assume, okay, well, how do I do this thing that makes me this person? What are the steps? How do I get there? Because, you know, just to trust our souls to the care of God, that doesn't make sense. And yet, actually, the most permanent change that you'll see in your life and the lives of others is where the wind of God and the breath of God has blown into the soul of a man or a woman. Now, I, and I, I, I kind of feel this in the audience that some of you are thinking, well, then where are rules? And where I, I, I get you, dude. Honestly, I really do. I mean, I was a parent. I wanted to put that on my kids. You know? And, I, and I, even in my own life, I feel like, can I trust my soul to be cared for by God? Shouldn't I have a pre-described limits? Listen, fall in love with and experience the breath of God and it, it will automatically happen for you, in a way. You, you know almost what you should not know, what is good and what isn't good for you. Because I just don't trust my judgment that en- enough to know, like, I shouldn't do this, or I shouldn't do that. How do I really know? Because the tradition tells me to? I mean, I get there's the wisdom of the ages. I love listening to and reading folks who wrote years ago and are long dead and gone. But he spoke at that time for that people. What is the context? What is, what is behind the process? What's behind the steps? What is the wind and the Spirit of God saying to me today? To us as a community? And this born-again experience that we speak about is not just a um, this one-time event. It's it's, it's life, right? You don't just, you know, I meet Jesus and I'm, everything comes together because most of us know that didn't happen, right? Maybe some of you have that story. Ever been to those places where you go to these? For those of you who don't, haven't known this, this is called testimony. And everyone tries to out, you know, out crazy the testimony of somebody else. Oh, yeah, I, I ate puppies. I was rotten, you know. You know, I, you know they're like, but then I met Jesus and then they sit down. It's like, oh, Wow, you seem like you had a pretty interesting life before. Now you're a dud, you know? Have you, have you noticed? And everyone's got to, like, uh, you know, outdo everybody else's testimony. And, and I would sit there thinking, gosh, none of that's happened to me. I wasn't a puppy eater. I was a cat juggler. It's going back to an old joke. And, and, and I'm still struggling with, with, you know, my language and smoking and, you know, drinking and 
dancing, even tell me I shouldn't dance, but I, I know I can't, but I still do it anyways, and I can't stop myself. And, you know, I go to movies, and, and they're, they're rated PG, or, and, and it's, not, it's not always Disney, and oh my, you know, you know what I'm saying? I, there's things that I enjoy that, that says I shouldn't, you know, and I don't want to shop at Mervyn's anymore. Luckily, I don't have to. They're closed. <laughs> They've gone bankrupt. And you know what's so funny? It was everybody else telling me how I'm going to live as a Christian. How my soul will thrive on all the externals, all the hows, all the process. And it's somehow something said to me, this, this can't be what it is. It can't be. See, I have an unproven assumption about God. I think it's proven, but you have to start someplace, right? Whoever's out there, he's creative. Right? I believe it's the God of the scripture. But let's just start from nowhere. Whatever's out there, it's creative. Whatever else is out there seems to have intellect, emotion, and will. And whatever's out there also seems to be kind. Because there's dance, and there's music, and there's love, and there's family. And so if we are the people of the scripture, if we are the people of this God, then what should be one of our markers is kindness and creativity. And so this is why when Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus and he speaks about this wind, you must be born again. It's not just this one shot, but this is continual movement with God. Because I tell you, he's always moving. He's not a stationary, it's not a stationary thing like we all got to struggle. And get, this is not God, by the way, okay? For those of you who are like, ah, mosaic, they worship straw. So this, the, you know, we, there's this image in our heads that somehow we all got to get to God. Understand, especially for those of you who are visiting and those of you who are old-timers, God's moving this way towards us. The wind and the breath of God is moving. And he asks us as his people, hey, move with me. With me. And so we, in Genesis, we see the breath of God. We see Jesus speak about that as a spirit of God. Let's go to Luke chapter 10 for a moment and see about this mission of God. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. This is, a, this is a familiar story. This story has become so part of our culture. We talk about the Good Samaritan. I mean, some of you who RV, there's the Good Sam Club, you know, all that stuff. All right. It's a familiar story. But what you have to feel in this story is every racial tension, um, social economic tension, um, you know, if you've ever been on the receiving end of that, or maybe you've given it in some of your worst moments, this is what's happening here. I'm going to tell you up front the punchline of this story, then we'll read it, and I'll tell you it again. This is not about just doing good things. When you open your world to God's wind, you leave your small world of self, and you enter into the huge world of other people. That's what you're getting if you commit yourself to God. And so the story of the Good Samaritan is not about let's just do good things. Because that's actually too vague. And the story, and, and the story here, that's the issue with this guy. Oh, then what's that like? The story, if there's a lesson, is that we connect with and actually care for people who are least like us. That we actually have a moment where we actually connect with someone and care for someone who are the least like us. See, see, whether you voted for Bush, whether you voted for Obama, 
no on eight, yes on eight, you, you listen to Dobson, you don't listen to Dobson, you wear polyester, you don't, I don't care. If you want to be friends, I'll, you know, my world's big enough to be friends with anybody. But often I find folks, their world's not big enough for me. Oh, you disagree with me on this issue? We can't be friends. All right, so back to this. I'm off my soapbox now. Verse 25. On one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit the eternal life? Hey, what's written in the law, he said. How do you read it? Hey, tell me what you know about all you know. This is where you have most of your knowledge. You're the expert. What do you say? Well, um, love the Lord your God of all your heart, of all your soul, of all your strength, of all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Hey, you've answered correctly. Well done. Do this and you'll live. Now listen to what Jesus is saying. Do this, you'll experience what you just asked for. All right? So, okay, but he wanted to justify himself. He asked Jesus, so who's my neighbor? To who? Jesus replied, well... Let me tell you a story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he fell in the hands of robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by the other side. So too a Levite. When he came to the place and saw him, he passed on the other side. Let me stop here for just a moment. These are people who are part of a religious tradition and community. They are important figures in the, in the culture and the nation of Israel. All right? I'm going to cut some, some slack. Because for them, their religion informed them, if I touch a corpse, I'm spiritually unclean and I'm cut off from God. I can't allow myself to be disconnected from the God that I respect, love, care for by touching a corpse. Okay? Now understand that sometimes... I, I want, okay, listen to what I'm saying here. As opposed to not listening, I guess... Sometimes your religion, your traditions can inform your soul incorrectly. Because it is our traditions and it is our religions that are all constantly informing our souls. It's a bit more life-giving to allow the Spirit of God to inform your soul. So Jesus goes on with the story. But the Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man in his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. Now, here's what I want to stop for just a moment. You know, to, 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 to the Samaritan, he didn't have this issue. He didn't have a template of what are the rules and regulations to be connected by God because he was just a human being. He cared for a person. And Jesus is going to say, this is the pattern. This is exactly what God wants from us. And so when you read this, you have to understand this is almost like God's rhythm and breath in a moment. And the next day he took out two silver coins, gave them to the innkeeper, and he said, hey, look, when I return, I'll reimburse you for any expense you may have. So Jesus asked the obvious question, so which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? Well, the expert in the law says, well, I guess it's the one that had mercy on him. So Jesus says, yeah, you're right, go do the same thing. Sometimes, um, you know, I was talking to a friend who was just processing some issues and she just couldn't imagine being a certain person from the person she is right now. And I, I, like, well, what if you just did the, 
right thing today. You you just did what's right today. You, You tend to be a generous, kind person. Just be generous and kind to people around you. Exercise that muscle. It, it, it's a component of what God is and what, how God responds to us. Exercise that. Move that soul muscle to kindness and generosity. And do the right thing today, just today, and the accumulation of all these right things over days, you'll be surprised where you end up. Another friend was just processing, you know, broke up with a girlfriend, and this career thing's not going anywhere. It's just, you know, it becomes, it's going to become a little more cynical and bitter and negative. I don't know how to get out of this funk and this, that, and the other. I said, well, dude, you know what? I'll try this. Every, whoever you run into today, even if you just don't feel it, just at least say something positive and some kind of encouragement. Hey, nice shirt. Hope you have a good day. Just, I know it's going to feel weird. You're not going to like it. But here's what happens. It's movement towards the right way of living. Exercise that muscle of encouragement and, 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 and positive and, and building people up. You know what happens? You'll find yourself thinking differently after the accumulation of things. And um, so, so far both of them said yes, it's working, but you know, it's only been one day. No, it's been a while. You know, sometimes the, the, the obvious thing is what we forget we want to mark ourselves as followers by what we believe instead of what we do. Uh, I was in Santa Barbara a couple weeks ago and I saw this little sticker thing that said, the hands that do are holier than the ones that just pray. And I thought, you know, that, that makes sense to me. I'm not, I'm not okay, don't, don't say later, Mosaic hates prayer. What I'm saying to you is that it can't be the only thing that defines you as a good person or as a Christian. And it's not going to be the thing that also just brings life only. Because everything about the scriptures and the spirit and the movement of God involves another person. Right? How, how do you live a good life without someone else? And so there's the breath of God we see in Genesis. There's the, the spirit of God that Jesus talks about in John. We see this, this, this mission that we're committed to. And by the way, it's the mission. It's the message. It's not a method. I mean, if, if, um, if it doesn't work to be in a place that makes sense, that's, you know, um, a hall like this, and it makes more sense to go, I don't know, meet somewhere, I don't even know, a cave, I don't know. We'll, we'll meet in a cave. Because we're more committed to the message and the mission than we are to a method. So, speaking of messages, let's go to Acts 17 for just a moment. Acts 17, verse 16. How many of you... Um, <laughs> How many of you, if you're not an Asian, you've gone into an Asian market? Right. I did too. I was in, I was in Irvine. I was jonesing for a Coca-Cola. And uh, so I stopped at the first market. I ran, it was an Asian market. I was lost. I had no idea what I was looking at. It all looked interesting to me. And I, you know how you want to try things? You, like, you can't open them? Who says you can't? Right. <laughs> uh, any rate... Um, and then there's different colored bottles and there's anime action figures on them. Like, oh, yeah, am I going to fly like this guy or what's going to happen? But have you noticed the smells? Or if, you, if, you, you know, if, you, if you're not Hispanic, have you ever gone to a, a mercado, right? And it smells, right? Like, this is, I'm not in Ralph's. I know, that I know. <laughs> Mildred, what is this mercado thing here? 
what the hell is carne asada by the libre? You know, there's all this. What, you know, because it's, it's a different experience, right? I'm thinking of Paul as a Jewish man who had a very, you know, deprived life as a, as a Pharisee, right? No pork. No carne asada. No bacon. No ham. Que triste. So, uh, but then he goes into a world where the Greeks and everybody else is much more fluid in their diet and their lifestyle. And he pushes into this culture, nudged along by, by the Spirit and the wind of God. In fact, if you really look at the story, none of those guys wanted to go. Peter has to have a vision. He's told, don't ever call unclean what I call clean. Right? And he goes to this moment here and and here are folks who are maybe some just to avoid actually landing on something. Others because they really want to know. What is the meaning of life? What's, what's truth? How do we know? How can we know what we know? Um, how do we understand reality? What's time? You know, all these kind of questions, right? All right. Verse 16 of chapter 17. So while Paul was sitting for them in Athens, waiting for them in Athens, he was, a, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks, as well as the marketplace day by day, with those who happened to be, in, uh, be there. So he's talking to people who understand his language. People who are spiritually, um, not minded, but think, have the same uh, language for their spiritual understanding. All right? Jews, other believers. But then he goes further out. A group of Epicureans and Stoic philosophers began to dispute with him. Some of them asked, what's this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. And so they said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to a meeting place of Mars Hill where he said to them, let's, let's hear about this new teaching that you're presenting. You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we want to know what they mean. Because all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Now, by the way, this seems a little bit discounting, this verse. I, I, I want to say to you, I think that still happens in our culture. A lot of films, indie films especially, a lot of music, lyrics. Um, I mean, really, that really is probably the churches and the, and, and, and the sermons of our day. Right? Are movies and songs. And people, almost anybody, will, you can ask a question about what do you think the meaning of life is, you know what's going on. It still happens today. All right, so verse 22. Paul stood up in the meeting of Mars Hills and said, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your object of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. So now what you worship as something unknown, I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and of earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Because he himself gives life to all men and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men that they, would sh- they should inhabit the whole earth and he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. And God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find them, though he's not far from each one of us. And by the way, a little side note. If you're ever the person that thought, I wish I had been born at a different time. I would like to have been born in the 40s. I love jazz. I would love to have been born 
you know, whatever. If some of you have ever regretted the parents you had, the, the race you were born into, the city you grew up in, understand that according to these two verses, what Paul is saying is that God actually had this moment exactly for you to optimize the opportunity for you to meet him. He set the time, the date, and the place, and the DNA that flows through you to maximize your opportunity to meet him. All right, go on. Verse 28. For in him we live and move and have our being, as one of your, some of your poets have said, we are his offspring. Verse 29. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but he now commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. And when they heard this, about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, I want to hear, I want to hear you about this subject again. And at that, Paul left the council. A few men became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysus, a member of Mars Hill, and also a woman named Demarius, and a number of others. There were, there were a lot of, uh, I don't want to say easy metaphors, but they're obvious almost now for those of us in mosaic culture, in music, in poetry, in dance, for metaphors to speak to about God. See, but if, if you are committed to following Christ, the wind and his movement is going to push you to areas where you're still under the obligation to bring that message to him in the auto industry, in education, in law enforcement, in plumbers, other clubs, in photography, gardening. You will still be asked to explain the resurrection and God in a language that makes sense to the community that you're a part of, wherever you're a part of. I, I, I worry for people that say, oh, if I could only leave this to go into this environment, oh, then I would experience... No, you wouldn't. You're not going to experience God here. If you're not experiencing where you are, probably won't be where, where you think you're going to experience it. Because it's not, it's not where you are, it's who you're connected to where you experience God. Let me give you a final verse, and we're going to close on this. It's Isaiah 49.6. Isaiah 49.6. This is God speaking to um, a prophet, a spokesperson for God, okay? And, and, and um, so you can take the metaphor, and, and he's speaking to us still, all right? Is it a small thing for you to be my servant? To restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I've kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. Wind is opening our world to the larger world of other people. Wind, mission is why we exist as a church. We are not committed to a method. We are committed to a message. The message is the mission. 
to share Jesus Christ at all times. And, and when necessary, use words. Acts of kindness, acts of mercy, encouragement, love, acceptance of anybody, anybody, any lifestyle, any choices that they make, that they might experience through us, the mystical body of Christ, God's love for them. Where, where are they supposed to get that? If not from us. Right? Even if your religious or traditions inform you, but if I move in this area, I might disconnect myself. Maybe your religion or tradition is informing your soul incorrectly. Mission is why we exist. This is one of our core values, but it's also as a person, if you're a follower, it's how your soul stays healthy. It's the environment for your soul to stay healthy and grow. Um, I'm going to take a risk and demonstrate how foolish I am. I'm actually going to take a Q&A. A couple minutes. You have a comment, a question, feel free to shout it out. Only easy ones. Like, what's your middle name? <laughs> yes, Ryan. So you read a passage from Acts that uh, spoke about um, how we live and move in God's being. Do you think that speaks to the character of God as, as wind? Yeah, you know, I am, I, I, um, you know, I don't know, creepy, mystical enough to believe that wherever I go, I actually bring God with me and that I, and that I actually might have a divine appointment uh, where I go, that I literally bring heaven wherever I go. And... Um, so whether that's a, a club that someone invites me to, hey, can I meet my friends? Whether that's someone's home. That, you know, it, that is kind of on my mind that where I'm going, I am bringing something of Christ to this moment. And uh, could I possibly be bumping into somebody that there's been a setup of spoken and unspoken moments in that person's life that I w- I'm going to be one more chain, a link of events to nudge them towards a Christ future or to... Um, help them meet Jesus at that moment. So no, I, I, that I do believe, yeah. I actually do. Anybody else? Oh, Sam, yeah. How do we keep our vision clear so that we can be moved by the Spirit? Do you feel like you're being pushed and crushed and having to adapt that thing in order to make yourself readily available? Yeah, let me address that. I, I spoke to a guy on San Diego who was, you know, he's doing a lot of great things. But he's tired, and so, and so is the entire group he's working with. And, and so what I said to him is, it's, I guess what I'll say in this situation, you, you, the kindest thing you can do for yourself because of, of where I believe we are as human beings, I believe I'm ineffective if I'm not rejuvenated correctly. Right? And there's a lot of good things to do. And if you're talented and if you have character, your choices are harder. You have more options in front of you. They don't get easier. I mean, if you live a mismanaged life, your options in life get less and less and less. You live a, you live a good life, your options are greater and greater and greater. Okay? So the, ju- the, the trick is, what's the most effective use of my time? Or you can ask, what makes me happy? Or you can ask a bigger question. What's both? And so sometimes, I, as I explained to this young man in San Diego that you're going to have to be blunt and brutal with all these programs and resources and say which is the least effective or which is the least fulfilling. And by the way, I think as a spirit person, as a Jesus person, as a God person, that's part of the equation. 
I think when God wired us that what we do that is right and healthy will be rejuvenating to us. I, 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 I do reject the notion that living as a God life is some sort of burden and a hassle. Yeah, there's some tough moments. But God says, I came to give you life abundantly. So sometimes I think it's taking a step back and asking yourself, okay, what really is it that is causes my soul to thrive, that I'm effective at, and that, that actually I, I feel pleasure and joy in? Because if, if you're just going to do things that you're effective and you hate, your soul's going to shrivel. I just, I just, I can't, ex- I, I can't believe that God has asked us to live a life like that. And so uh, I, I think it's being honest with yourself and blunt to say, even if somebody thinks I should do this, even if I'm good at it, I have this much time, this much energy, this many resources. This is the most effective thing I can do. And here's what's amazing. When you do maybe just the one thing, it seems to explode and give you life in other areas of, of, your, of your soul and your being. So I would say be, be honest, be blunt, and be hard, and be effective and happy in what you do. Thank you for listening to this production by Mosaic Whittier, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org.